everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 157 of the podcast that is taking you on a journey through all of the superhero adventures of the Marvel superhero universe from Fantastic Four number one in November 1961 all the way through to, where are we? June! I don't know. Yeah, that's that's right. June of 1967, even. And we've got four comics on the docket for you. No novels this time. That was just last week. Don't expect that every yes. time. Yes. God, no. I can't do that every time. <laughs> Too much reading. <laughs> Too much reading. But we are going to be talking about Thor 143 to finish out June 1st, and then diving into June 8th with Daredevil 31, The Avengers 43, and Fantastic Four 66. All right. I'm excited. Thor, you're and you're kicking us off, I think, right? 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 I am. I am. Thor, I've been exercising all day long for this. The Enchanters. Does your brain say Enchantress every time? It totally does every single time. Yeah. The evil Enchantress. She's back. And then I'm wondering why it has nothing to do with the Enchantress. Right? It's the no same sense. letters, just slightly useless. Anyways. Okay, so yeah, we've got the Enchanters, Balder the Brave, the Stunning Sif, Panic in the City. This is it, true believer. Uh, we open up, and soon shall come the Enchanters. Thor is having a soda. Produced in Live Living Color by Stan the Manly <laughs> and Jack King Kirby. Embellished by Bill Everett, lettered by Sam Rosen, true believers all. Um, yeah, no recap, no nothing. Thor is having a soda, surrounded by kids. And even some not-so-kids totally amazed that Gods of Thunder can have sodas. So he finishes the soda, he's like, you know, I don't have any money. And like, th that's fine. We, it's on the house. You go, you go Thor over there. So he uh, is like, okay, y'all, I'm gonna go fly away. No, first of all, he like signs their autographs and stuff. Um, up in Asgard, let's see, somebody approaches uh, Asgard. No, no, no. It's just a really cool picture of Asgard. People doing Asgardian things. We get a full page splash of Odin's bristling beard, the truly omnipotent beard and the man behind it. And it, this is being shown because he's just telling these people, Thor is telling these people all about Asgard and how awesome it is. So he's like, okay, told you stories. Now I got to go. He swings his hammer, flies into his doctor's office Whacks his hammer, turns back into Dr. Donald Blake. The life of one sickly man is as important as the fate of thousands. You think he's talking about himself, but no, he's talking about his patients. So now he's a doctor, he's hanging out, and the old man comes in. You have to tell me, I can handle it, I can take any news. And Blake's like, no, 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 your tests are all negative. He's like, negative? That's bad. And Thor's like, no, no, no. Negative means we didn't find anything. There's nothing. Nothing inside me. Am I going to die? No, no, no. You're fine. You're going to live. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I'm just going to go be old. Anyways, um, meanwhile, Sif and Balder are out on an adventure to go find the evil Enchanters 3. And so they're riding on their horses through this craggly mountainous region when there's an earthquake and the mountains come down upon them and there's a big glowy green face. I am the spirit of the living talisman, whom which do serve the three enchanters. Like, we're here to fight you. And so these dudes come out, these three dudes, and they start fighting. And at first, Baldur's like, it's too dangerous for a girl. And Sif says, suck it, Baldy. 
and she starts, you know, swinging her sword and doing good stuff. And they fight the first person who comes out and they vanquish him. And then three more people come out in big old Kirby celestial armor. And they're like, we are the enchanters and we're going to kill you with quicksand. And so Balder and Sif are falling into the quicksand and the three enchanters leave. Um, but Sif is like, hey, hey, guess what? I've got a special power. We're going to die in quicksand, but I can teleport us. So she does. She teleports herself and Balder and they teleport to Earth. You see them flying through space uh, and like, you know, human torch style bodies through space. Land on Earth. Who? this is Earth? It's really weird. Let's go find Thor. I don't know how to find Thor. Maybe if we just like make a nuisance of ourselves, Thor will come and find us. And Don Blake is like sitting in his office being a doctor, has no concern whatsoever for what's going on outside. Must be some traffic jam, whatever. Um, so they ask the uh, police officer, hey, where do you find Thor? Police officer, I don't know how to find Thor, but you know, there's this one doctor guy near here who sometimes knows how to get Thor whenever such things are needed. I'll send you over there. Anything to get you off of my streets. So the police officer walks over to Dr. Don Blake's building. Um, the Enchanters 3 have decided that they're going to go to Earth after Sif and Balder and try to kill Thor. So Sif and Balder are like, Mortal, Dr. Blake, where is Thor? And Dr. Blake's like, who, who, who are you? I'm not, who are you? But why are you Sif and you Balder, my friends? Why are you here? And like, you immortal dare to be speak friends with Asgardian gods? And Blake's, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, let me just change my hair. Smashes his cane to the ground, turns into Thor, hair sprouts flowingly, lusciously from his head. And Sif's like, I knew that was you underneath that not hair. So like, okay, cool. Um, so the enchanters, Thor's like the enchanters. And sure enough, the enchanters arrive on earth. Next, this battleground earth. Kind of a weird issue for Thor because he doesn't do anything. He really doesn't. <laughs> You're right. I, mean, the I hadn't thought about cool, that. Cool action for Balder and Sif, but like he's not really doing anything. I don't know. That's not bad necessarily. It's kind of neat that he has a little downtime, I guess, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like a setup for him. They're doing. They're getting a lot of mileage out of this Thor doing a normal bit thing. Mm-hmm. They've done this a few times now, where he's just like, "Wow, Thor can do normal things." Oh, you mean in public with other people? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's kind of fun to see them all like trip out and want to ask him questions. And apparently, he can do an Asgardian video whenever he wants to. It's like his PowerPoint presentation. Somehow, like yeah, invading your mind and letting you see Asgard. Although I swear that was like a big secret last time somebody wanted to visit Asgard, but oh yeah, I guess that he's over that. Also, now. he he went into this soda shop. Uh-huh. He ordered the soda. Mm-hmm. He drank the soda, knowing the whole time he had no money to pay for that soda. Mm. Maybe he just assumed they wouldn't care. Maybe yeah, he can't he can't really blame it on not understanding culture because he does understand Don Blake's brain. Right. And he even starts the money conversation. Yep, I I just drank your soda. I have no money. Yeah. Anyways, but maybe I do if, like getting Maybe if the guy didn't interrupt and he was about to finish with, but I do have this giant coin that's worth eight million of your earth dollars. <laughs> and the guy's like, Hey, it's on the house. He's like, Okay, that works too. I did like getting a few pages of heart before getting back into cosmic alien stuff. Which I guess you is mean kind of the guy, the patient? No, you're the patient and the shop uh-huh. and just, you know, mm-hmm. just just cool Earth stuff, you know, character 
moments without really any import before the enchanters decide to destroy her. Well, I was waiting for this guy to have an ulterior, an evil side or something, but so far that hasn't happened. Nope. Maybe the enchanters will just kill him or something next issue. Or he's, it's just a feel-good moment, and I can't accept it. One of the two. Uh, I did like how Balder tries to be sexist and Sif is having none of it. Behind me, yep. my lady, whatever may befall, Balder's blade must meet it first. I say the name, a lord. Though I be woman-born, my blade is true, my arm is swift. We each do fight for Asgard and shall do so side by side. She's like, this is how it is, dude. He uh, he doesn't give up on that, does he? Because he did that last issue, too. Mm-hmm. And I guess her, like, wanting to be equal makes her fit for Odin. Because Alder's like, wow, you'd be really fit for Odin. Thor? The son of Odin, I'm sorry. Thor, yes. yes. I saw the I word Odin and my brain said Odin. I'm sure she can uh, hook up with Odin, too, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> we haven't seen Odin with a wife or anything. Isn't he supposed to have one? Hmm. At some point, to have children? Probably. Frigga or Frida or whatever the frick her name is. <laughs> okay, uh, so these talisman. At first, I was dismayed and amused because they were, I thought they were trying to take the word talisman mm-hmm. and just pluralize it, but follow the same rules as ta- as man on the end. Mm-hmm. But no, we found out this is actually some kind of people. These are talismen, and it's a pun. Oh, gosh. So those are the Hulk and the energy creature they fight? and then Yeah. Before, before the three actually show up? Mm-hmm. I kind of like the three. I don't know anything about them, but they seem ominous in the fact that they just kind of stand there and watch... Like they've got a lot of bad coming or something. I don't know. I like this splash on page 11. Um, it's weird that like, I, I kind of don't like when like Thor and the entire uh, uh, Asgardian nation knows what the heck an, an enchantors are and we don't, but mm-hmm. that just seems kind of like a little weak. Like, Oh yeah. You know, enchantors. Yeah. Those guys. Uh huh. But uh, I kind of like them that they're just like kind of walking around being uh omnipotent or whatever they are yeah they decide they're no longer going to be contained to their realm despite how many countless ages they've lived there they evidently mm-hmm. have like living souls in their chests oh they say they yeah. wear the living talisman so those mm-hmm. were two talisman we now have three more talisman harking harkenings of uh or inklings of uh foreshadowing of arnim zola i think like. the same thing yep yeah um they're all like let's make a ruckus and see if we can find thor and don's like uh it's just a traffic jam. I'll, I'll close the window. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. I was wondering if he would keep it a secret, but I, then I was like, yeah, why should he? Right. There's really no and, point. And evidently, throughout all of this, Balder has been growing a little crush on Sif. Yes. That seemed a little odd that he gets a little pouty in the end. Yeah. He's like, you're suitable for Thor. Is he secretly thinking, and for me, I'd really like to have you too, or to, to be with you, I should say. He actually um, seems like it seems like he's annoyed that Thor forgets to address Balder. So maybe Balder's in love with Thor. Oh, Balder is now forgot. I oh, see. Oh no, he's forgot by Sif though, because she's all googly eyed. Well, yeah, he's Thor. saying she. Yeah, but Thor could have forgotten him. Yeah, they both seem to be staring at each other and not Balder. So, mm-hmm. but up until this point, he's been such a lawful goody two shoes. It's kind of weird that he has a little jealousy. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, Everything loves Balder. We learned that. There's a whole story about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. I don't have anything else for this unless you do. No, it's kind of just a big giant setup. So I guess next issue will be where the payoff happens. Maybe. To the death. Tales of Asgard. Home of the mighty Norse gods. This is the anti-penultimate tale of Asgard. It's after tonight. There are only two more of these bad boys. 
Oh God, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well, pretty Thor- exciting. <laughs> exactly. We're gonna wrap up this. Remember, remember when there were still like seven or eight issues of this left, and we had already been in the genie story long enough that we thought yes. it was gonna wrap up and maybe have another arc. Mm-hmm. Oh no, <laughs> it's still going. While Thor, Hogan, and Fandral face the dreaded 40 horsemen of Satan set upon them by the fiendish mogul Voluminous Volstag, good of Volstag, he employs his own fatal charm in attempting to learn where mogul may be found. Now, I think the last time we saw him, he saw this woman riding in a palanquin and was like, ooh, I want to get carried around in a chair. And so he like goes after her. I don't think he's been in the fight or the story since then. So he's like all sweet talking this woman and she's all like playing into his hand. He's like, oh, Volstagg still got it. And thou too should be congratulated for Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby. Plus Bill Everett and Bellisher and Artie Simic Letterer have created Yon Saga just for thee. And she's like, oh, Volstagg, you're so staggish. And he's like, yes, I am. She's like, here, why don't you stand right here on this square is it a trap door no it's not a trap door just stand right there and she pulls the cord it is a trap door and he's like yes but i'm gonna grab you she's like don't pull me down my own trap door too so they both fall into the dungeon um and she's all annoyed um because not even mogul feeds the slaves down here uh, besides, Volstagg is just too big of a mouth to feed. Anyways, they get attacked by Mutaris, who's a giant robotic looking, but that's probably just Kirby, or Kirby art, um, Minotaur kind of creature. Starts attacking Volstagg, woman creeps away. I think she's, uh, Mogul's sister, maybe? Yeah, she is, yeah. Yeah, so Mogul's sister. She creeps out of the dungeon while Luke is fighting the big monster. Um, anyways. Volstag totally gets a torch and burns the big old monster and kills it. The savage skill and eagle eye of Volstag have triumphed once again. Meanwhile, back upstairs, remember those 40 horse horsemen of Satan? Yeah, they finally got here. The good uh. guys are fighting them. Next, the beginning of the end. Okay, even though we just got through saying this backup is yuck and I'm glad it's almost over, I actually did enjoy three quarters of this. The Volstag right? parts. The Volstag parts. They're the best parts. I was just thinking after I read it, like, why isn't this backup called Tales of Volstag? And we just make it a comedy. Right. And just have him being stupid and have fun adventures that don't mean anything. And maybe with straight men around being straight men, but he's basically, he's the comedy bit. It's all about him. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been way better. Yeah. But yeah. I enjoyed that. Um, uh, silly me. I actually thought he had managed to make a friend at the beginning. Because <laughs> of the woman? Yeah, I thought this. I thought he was like you know getting his Mac on, and she was responding, and it was like a happy moment mm. for him, but not so much. Not so much. Um, I usually decry grabbing women against their will, but I feel like this can be an exception. Nice grab, Volstag. Well, yeah, if someone's gonna put you down a a pit, you might as well grab them. So they come. Yeah, she's you. trying to capture and enslave him, so I figure yeah, she has it coming. All's fair when it's war, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's just super cool. He he wins the battle almost more through buffoonery than anything else. She like leads him to whatever this cannon thing is, and she's trying to use it, and it doesn't work. But he uses it successfully, which actually was surprising because I figured he'd screw it up somehow. The enchanted he, rod, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It's like a candle, a big old torch they turn sideways. Yeah, it worked out for him. And yeah. the heroes are fighting the horsemen because why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. They look That's like it. really bad Native American caricatures. I don't want to read that. 
yeah. That first band on yeah, page five? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first one. Or Aztecs or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, two more. Oh, before we stop, though, we should check in with our Asgardian advisor, Mr. Gene Hendricks. Gene, mm-hmm. Gene, the podcasting machine who has written us uh, about every single one of these issues. He says, and now we have a Kirby Tech Minotaur who is dispatched by a handheld wave motion gun. <laughs> That's a reference <laughs> to um, Star Blazers, the anime. Okay. We're getting into new gods territory, not Norse gods, with Jack mm-hmm. just letting his imagination run wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very it was a very new gods kind of threat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, clearly that's where all this stuff came from. Or 70s, that's where new gods came from. Yeah. 70s Kirby is starting to have his first say. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. That's all he had to say. Jeez. Yeah, just just pointing <laughs> out that it's kind of crazy. His he has like two sentences next time. Actually, the next time he's gonna bring in his own voice to comment on it. Well, we stopped so, paying him about five issues ago, so I guess it's okay. Oh, that's a lie. There are two more. Yeah, we're going to read him next time, and then he'll bring his voice in the last time. We did stop paying him, so yeah. All right. Well, shall we move on? I'm or ready. Under wraps. Here comes Daredevil. Hey, that that segues every single time, really. Here comes Daredevil, the man without fear, number 31. DD, without his superpowers, in the most dangerous fight of his life. Blind man's bluff. What they don't say on the cover is it's a dangerous fight that he creates himself. But anyway... Uh, Blind Man's Bluff, a Stan, the man, Lee, and Gene, the dream, colon, thrill-a-minute triumph. Embellished by John Tortaglione, lettered by Artie Simek. Last issue, we saw the fiendish Mr. Hyde hurl a potent chemical at Daredevil, hoping to destroy his eyesight. But, since the man without fear is already blind, Hyde's formula affected his super senses instead, because science, making them totally useless. But that's nothing. Things... Really get rugged for our hero in this incredible ish. Hang loose, hollowed ones. You're about to read the most unusual saga of all. So, yeah, they left him in that warehouse or the house or wherever, their laboratory. And he's like, you know, doing the I can't see thing because he can't like at all. He's just holding his hand out and running into things. Meanwhile, the cops are coming. They were surrounding last issue. And he knows that's happening because they're making noises. And so he tries his very best to find something he finds a door opens the door it leads to a basement he trips down the stairs but luckily the cops don't find him and he kind of just like feels his way to the city but he doesn't know where exactly he is these people like stop to help him these civilians you know and he's trying to pretend that he can see he doesn't want them to know that he can't and so he's like uh where am i now and he's like oh this is your favorite town or whatever and he's like oh i don't know and then some lady reaches out to touch him and like rips part of his mask because she just wants it for her collection i guess and so he takes off almost gets hit by a car realizes hey i can just call a taxi so he does that makes it home he actually tells the taxi guy he needs he has an appointment with the lawyer matt murdoch so i guess the taxi guy looks up matt murdoch's address or maybe daredevil told him the address that makes a lot more sense and took him to matt murdoch's house So here is where he sits on the couch and has this idea. I could go to work. Everybody at work thinks I'm blind as Matt Murdock, so I'll go to work as Mike Murdock. I'm not really sure how that happened. But Mm -hmm. he puts on sunglasses like he always does and a cane, and he goes to work as Mike Murdock, and Foggy's there, and he's like, what, are you just making fun of Matt? And Mike actually runs into the desk because he really does. And Foggy's like, oh, my gosh, you're serious? What happened? He's like, yeah, I was, I got hurt 
being Daredevil. Now I'm blind. Anyway, we cut to Hyde and Cobra, and they're on the run, and they're fighting over who's cooler, who's the best. They rob a, another you know bank or something, um, and they're on a spree. So it cuts to them way later, where at some point during this spree, the police have them surrounded, and they're on top of a building. And the building is apparently near where Matt Nelson and Murdoch work because Matt sees it or doesn't see it. Foggy actually sees it. He sees Hyde holding a big giant brick over his head or, you know, cement block over his head. He's going to kill a bunch of cops and stuff. So Mike's like, okay, you guys have to help me. I'm going to change into Daredevil and Foggy, you lead me outside. <laughs> you you mm-hmm. lead me outside the window and get me to the ledge and then tell me where the nearest building rooftop is. So Foggy does all this. And once he tells him, uh, Daredevil like hurls his, or, you know, what do you call it? Casts his line, his uh, Billy Club. Billy Club line across so it snags, because apparently he can just do that like it's second nature. And it does hook and hide and, 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 and. King Cobra, just Cobra, see this, and they're like, hey, is he actually okay? That's not possible. And so Daredevil goes out on the line like a circus performer and wobbles back and forth. Because um, he's blind on a tightrope. Because he's literally blind this time and no super senses, and he's just going by his abilities that he may or may not still have. And he almost falls, and he catches it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Daredevil's in action. We got to get out of here. So they escape you know, run away instead of trying to kill cops. So Daredevil kind of achieved a goal. And then he shakily, shakily and fearfully like pulls himself back with the help of, of have I been calling him Foggy this whole time? That's his name. Yeah, Foggy. Um, and then Karen's like, oh my gosh, you were so brave or blah, blah, blah. Uh, to face danger even when you can't see. Foggy agrees to walk Daredevil home or Mike home, although – Where's that? I don't know. But as they're walking, they're talking about Karen. I guess this is kind of important. And Foggy is like, yeah, it does. He admits that it annoys him that Karen seems to like Mike. And then Mike jokes, well, maybe she has a sister. And while he's joking, this hand comes from behind and silently uh, covers Foggy's mouth and takes him into an alley or something. And Matt's like, Foggy, Foggy, are you still there? Where'd you go? And then the next panel is Cobra, like, touching his shoulder going, right here, buddy. Everything okay? You really are blind, huh? Next issue, the real Daredevil. Okay. So (laughs) this might be a little bit too much. Yeah? Because here's the kicker. Yeah. Here's the kicker. The bad guys run away at the end because they see Daredevil wobbling on the wire. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. They're like, there's no way... Daredevil would come out here and make such a show Yes, about pretending to be blind. He wouldn't actually come out here and be blind. So his whole big show about pretending to be blind must mean he's really not blind. So we better go. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And like you said, <laughs> Matt, you are blind. They're used to you being blind. Go to work. Be your normal self. Oh, no, no. I will go as Mike. And the only, Mike the, Murdoch is also <laughs> blind now. There was no reason for that other than the plot, because he had to be able to change into Daredevil in front of them and get their help. So it yeah. had to be Mike. But he didn't know he was going to need to be Daredevil at the office. No, he didn't. 
So that was a weird decision. Yeah. And it's just more lie on lie because now it's Mike Murdoch is also blind. So Matt and Mike are both blind. And as you have to get out of all of this, see, see, kids, <laughs> when you lie, you build yourself this web of deceit, which you must now navigate, not only navigate through, but eventually navigate yourself out of. And he's just given himself so much to take care of. You see, kids, when you invent an identical twin that <laughs> ever known about. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Also, there have been a couple of comments about my, about Matt always having been blind. And I've wondered oh. if, like, if, like, Stan forgot the story. Yeah, right? Cause I it's mean, a- it's been a long time, but not always. Yeah. yeah. Not always. I mean, always in, like, the general sense of, like, most of my life. But I don't know. It's, it's happened a couple of, I've always been blind. I was like, no, you haven't. And I no. feel like that would be important to a person who could, you know, you said, previously you know, see in person. I've been blind longer than I haven't. That'd be okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, not always. I like this part where he's in confronts or his encounter encounters like regular people. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the thing about Daredevil is he's kind of like you know, the Hell's Kitchen protector is like, you know, Hell's Kitchen. I don't know how big Hell's Kitchen, but it's not like, no, can't be as big as like the entire state, you know, so, or the city. Even. It's so, a couple uh, of blocks, really. Yeah. So like, Daredevil has always kind of interacted with the people because, because, you know, he's their, their dude. So that hasn't really happened in this book yet. And it, this was like uh, one of the first examples of that. I kind of liked it, even though it went bad. I was kind of surprised at how much Karen is actually liking Mike now. I didn't realize that was as much of a thing as it is. I thought she liked him, but wasn't necessarily taking him seriously. Right. Like, like they, he was a big, he and she enjoyed that he's a big flirt and kind of over the top and she thinks he's funny, but. Right. I didn't know she was ready to cry about him yet. They'd been joking. Not really yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um,. What was on page? I, her on page thirteen though she's upset that he's blind first Matt now Mike and to think I had my hair restyled that's the priority here Mike yeah. Mike has become blind but dang it he can't see your new hairstyle that's really depressing yeah <laughs> I'm glad she didn't say that out loud well on the next page whenever he's like Daredevil you know Mike's turning in Daredevil only a madman would be a costume clown in the first place which we like pretty girl Uncle Mike is sure gonna need it. Only a diversion will prevent a tragedy out there. Mary Mike is going to provide that diversion. She's like, but how? (laughs) Right. Her utter befuddlement at the idea that this man is about to go out there as a blind man and try to stop two bad guys. Right. Too bad he didn't tell Thor yesterday that like Hyde and Cobra were out at large. Yeah. Or did he? (laughs) Yeah, it probably would have been. Hey, Thor, you want to help out with these guys? You're strong. And you're. Raging with soda power now, so I don't know. Um, yeah, this was this was a very this was a very offbeat issue. Yeah, he should just be dead. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to resolve this Mike Murdoch thing. I realize I I don't I don't know. We're into areas of story that I have no idea what's going to happen next. It's kind of a cool feeling. I, do you think that Cobra is making foggy voices noises? I mean, he has to be, I guess. Or is Daredevil so horrible without his extra senses that he can't tell the difference between? Cobra and his best friend when they're talking. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll find out next issue. Maybe maybe he's not fooled at all and he's going to punch him first thing. I don't know. So you're saying that Cobra is actually imitating Foggy's voice at the end of it? Yeah, because he's like, 
Foggy, where are you? Nothing to worry about. I'm okay. I just forgot for a second that you still are really blind. Like, is he trying to be foggy? I think so. I hadn't realized that until just now. Because yeah. Daredevil has a bit of a disconcerted look on his face, and I guess my brain just didn't quite process it all right. But yeah, he's not, I'm Cobra, and I've caught you in your blindness. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, friend, buddy, pal, you really are blind, aren't you? Okay. So there's going to be an entire next issue where Daredevil takes Cobra to his house, and they hang out and have tea and stuff, because he right. thinks he's foggy. Yeah. And Co- Cobra talks about Mary and Karen. Yeah. Yes. Gosh. Okay. Is that enough of that? All right. That's enough of that. All right. The Avengers, Avengers 43. Now we're talking. Now the we're talking. The Red Guardian. <laughs> this was almost so, the namesake of the ish- episode. First, we should we should stop and thank the powers of be for, for delaying the movie until we got to this. Mr. Disney, thank you for realizing that our podcast was almost to the debut of The Red Guardian, so not showing the Black Widow film was definitely a good choice. We appreciate that. Right. Yeah, thanks for delaying it just for us. Destined to be the most talked about supervillain of the year, and wait till you learn his startling secret identity. He's Captain America wearing red. That's no big deal, right? <laughs> I saw an article the other day that was like, all the reasons Red Guardian is a rip-up of Captain America. It's like, um, that's what he's supposed to be. Right, right. Clearly someone who hadn't read comics and was just like going by the movies, and that guy looks just like Captain America. It's like, okay, clickbait. Color him the Red Guardian. The impossible has occurred. For the 48 hours that have elapsed since the defeat of Diablo, peace and quiet have reigned supreme at Avengers Mansion. Then, just as Cap and Hawkeye return from a nocturnal excursion, Quicksilver flies by and grabs Hawkeye's bow and Captain America's shield says, Hey, I'll put these away from you, for you. Hawkeye's like, let go of my bow. And Captain America says, Quicksilver has learned to fly. Stan Lee elatedly edits and extols a Roy Thomas John Buscema powerhouse piece de resistance. Inked by George Bell, lettered by Jerry Mann. And if you can think of a better place on this page to print Archive Wharton credits, consider yourself no prize. They basically take the machinery in the background and color one of the panels and write on it. It's fun. Hmm. Okay, so yeah, Quicksilver can fly now. Like, if he takes a little jaunt, he can fly a short distance. And not just, like, an extended leap. He can actually, like, flit around in different directions and be acrobatic and stuff. So he um, does some cavorting with uh, Captain America to show how cool he is. And then Captain America's like, okay, everybody, Avengers, meeting in the meeting room. And Hercules is like, hey, don't give me orders. I don't like it. And Captain America's like, okay, I'll beat you up. And Hercules, I'll beat you up. And so they start fighting and Captain America is uh, dodging out of Hercules' way. Uh, gets a couple of blows in, but mainly just stays out of Hercules' way. Until Hercules is like, oh, okay, you got courage, you got skill, you got my respect. We're friends now. I'll go into the room you wanted me to go into. Great. Knock, knock, knock. Hello, I'm here to go see uh, Miss Janet Van Dyne. My name is Ebenezer Wallaby. And uh, Janet's like, oh, Mr. Wallaby, you're our lawyer. And says, yes, 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 it's uh, your 23rd birthday a couple days ago, and now all of your inheritance is yours. 23rd birthday. What a weird hmm. number. Yeah. Hank is like, Hank is, wait, your, your, your birthday? She's like, yeah, it's a couple days ago. They did nothing for her birthday, kids. They did nothing. Well, anyway, so. Ne- she spent it with Dragon Man. Oh, Yeah. I thought I said that was like a couple weeks ago. Was it a couple days ago? She said we're so busy hours. with Dragon Man, I forgot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. 
Um, anyways, so she's rich now. Like she was taking $25,000 a year, but now she's really rich. We're going to talk about $25,000 a year is later. Anyway, so all the Avengers like, cool. You got money now? Sweet. And they go have the meeting in the meeting room. Meanwhile, Hawkeye has uh, snuck out of the room. He doesn't want to be part of the meeting because he is all lonely and morose about Black Widow. And he's following a lead. Captain America was going to tell the Avengers all about this lead, but Hawkeye's actually following up on it. That Black Widow isn't really a spy turned bad. She's a double agent working for S.H.I.E.L.D. And she went to, it says Asia, doesn't specify which country. And um, Hawkeye's trying to find her contact here in the U.S. And he finds a guy. Guy tells her a few things. He guy demands cash on delivery. And Hawkeye's like, I don't have any money. So they start fighting. Hawkeye beats up some bruisers in a bar, throws some people out some windows, goes back to Avengers Mansion, says, hey, Hercules, you're up late. He's like, yes, I don't sleep. I'm a god. And... Okay, so okay, well, um, I'm gonna go flying to another country and beat us some bad guys and rescue my woman. You wanna come with me? Yes, let us go. So they do. Uh, over in the Asian destination country, we have two gentlemen, Colonel Ling and who's this other guy? General, somebody who's been around a couple times whose name I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. Anyway, so Colonel Ling is showing to the general the new Red Guardian. He is basically the People's Republic of China's answer to the accursed Captain America. At first, General's not too impressed, just the dude in the costume. But dude has, like, this disc that he throws that, like, tosses the general out of his chair into the air, and then Red Guardian dashes forward and catches the general in the air. Guys with guns and gas masks hop out, but... um. Red Guardian throws his spinny disc again, and and I think this one actually is magnetic. It flies back to his hand out of magnetic stuff. Mm-hmm. And his general's like, yes, this is great. The Red Guardian can definitely beat Captain America. We should lay a trap and destroy the Avengers. So Hawkeye and um, Hercules are flying towards China, and they look on their mirror and on their monitor, and the, sure enough, they've found Black Widow. They're going to go find Black Widow and rescue her. So they lay on the ship. They dive into the building. They start fighting uniformed soldier guys. They fight the dudes with the rifles from earlier, the flamethrowers. And then they face off with the Red Guardian. And Hercules fights the Red Guardian. The Red Guardian's super strong. Hercules is super strong. Red Guardian runs away from Hercules and lures him into the room with the Psychotron, which get, brings all of your worst nightmares to life. And Hercules sees the many-headed Hydra and starts fighting the Hydra. But it's not really there. It doesn't really get hurt because it's all in his mind. Meanwhile, he's fighting the Hydra. Hawkeye fights Red Guardian. And uh, it does not go so well because Hawkeye is very weak and Red Guardian is very strong. So Hawkeye wakes up in a tube right next to Black Widow, who's in a tube. And they're like, hey, are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? And Red Guardian's like, all right, you're right here, Black Widow. Wait till you see who I am. And he takes off his mask. He's like, I thought you were dead. And uh, Hawkeye's like, hey. What's going on here? Why is he calling you darling? Oh, because he called her darling. She's like, well, um, I'm glad you're better, Hawkeye. Um, this man, the Red Guardian, yeah, he's my husband. Hawkeye's like, oh, your husband? All this time that we've been schnookying and stuff? She's like, yeah, with the schnookie and the husband. Oh, man. So anyways, they're all sad. 
and the Red Guardian declares they're going to um, lay a trap for Captain America, and he was um, Captain America's back at the uh, the base. He and Goliath and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Janet Van Dyne, uh, the Wasp, gather their stuffs together, and the Avengers assemble. And next issue, the Valiant also die. Woohoo! Yeah, Red Guardian. I could be wrong, but I don't think the Red Guardian is going to beat Captain America. We'll see. Seems. Un- I had never really occurred to me just how much his costume was just Captain America painted red. And eventually he'll start sporting a shield, too, as opposed to a a magnetic belt buckle thing. Right. But his boots have the same, like, swashbuckle cut to them, and he's got gloves just like Captain America. His gloves are white on red sleeves instead of Captain America's red on blue and white sleeves. Star in his chest, same cut mm-hmm. of the cowl. Just he's missing wings. He's got like a mohawk thing instead. But. Yeah, sort of like a Spartan Ridge kind of thing. I don't know. I always thought he was cool. I haven't read a lot of Red Guardian. I've never read his first appearance, so that was fun to get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like doppelgangers, though. I don't know why. I've always liked doppelgangers. Doppelgangers work really well for comics. Mm-hmm. And he's apparently going to be a protagonist in the film that he partners up with Black Widow. I don't know if that becomes a thing in the comics, if he changes sides eventually, but... Um, well, for one thing, there's been multiple Red Guardians, and I'm pretty sure some of them are good and some of them are not. So oh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether this guy turns turns a corner or if it's just a different Red Guardian that becomes. There's been male and female Red Guardians even. What so, about Guardian in Canada? But they don't call them Red Guardian, even though they are red. No, but he's also a national hero. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. I kind of like that there's a national hero in uh, in different countries. I just think right. that's a cool like cool idea. Um, I don't know that every country has one, but they should. That'd be I remember it. in the like five minutes that I was reading Captain America in the early nineties, he fought Hauptmann Deutschland. Hauptmann Deutschland. There's you're like you just said. There's a uh, Alpha Flight with Vin, what is his name? Vindic his uh, Guardian is his name. Yeah. He went through several names: Vindicator, Guardian. I think one yeah, yeah. other. But he he wears a big maple leaf, so he's not Captain Canada, but. And really, we're using the prong pronoun because we both know that Heather is the real Guardian, and James well, was just sure. like the prologue. Sure. There's a uh, who else is there? There's got to be more. I think there's a a gal that's like Captain Irish or Shamrock or something like that. There's Captain Britain, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who else. I think Hulk fought someone from Syria once. That was like I don't know. Well, someone did, should make a list. They do completely dodge the question of how they made a Red Guardian. Like so far, Captain America is Captain America because he's Captain America, and there's a whole story there. Yeah. But, well, well, it's possible we'll get that next issue because it is a two-parter. Possible. I hope we do because that is kind of weird that there's just this guy. But then again, he reveals who he is at the end. So maybe next issue, Black Widow will be like, what you been up to? And he'll tell his tale or something. That would be good. That'd be good. But um, first, we have to deal with flying Quicksilver because what? <laughs> so every time I read this moment with Quicksilver, my mind goes through the same process. Wait, Quicksilver can fly? No. Wait a second. Can he still do that? No. So when does this fly. go away? He can't fly. Does Quicksilver ever fly? And does he lose the power or do they just forget that he has it? I don't know. But that is so weird, isn't it? So in my mind, it's kind of like Luigi in Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> that like he just jumps well enough while he's running that he can like sort of scurry through the air for a minute before he lands again. Aren't you reading All-Star Squadron right now? Or is that somebody yes, else? I am. Johnny Quick can fly. Have you oh, seen him fly yet? I have not seen him fly in that. I believe it, though. Yeah. 
And in fact, I've read some, I like Johnny Quick to the point where I actually read some Golden Age, and he flew more than he ran initially. Like, he was just flying around all the time at super speed. Um, but then they turned him into a runner who occasionally flies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if that's where they got it from. Like, it seems like the same idea. Like, he's vibrating his legs really fast. Yeah, he says vibrating his legs. I'd like to think that just, like, the leg thrusts that people use to, like, push themselves along the ground when they run, he could also, like, sort of turn that into a bit of an angled thing and leap and get yeah. sort of, like, an extended shallow arc through the air. But I don't yeah. think that's exactly that's actually what's happening. No, it's weird. I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. I'm not sure how he could lose this ability either, other than them forgetting it. It's your boy versus Hercules. Yeah, that was fun. Hercules is really cranky lately. I would say I read it as him being grumpy from being stuck on Earth. He's just not having a yeah. good time. He's not having a good time. They really ought to invite him to be an Avenger. Maybe he's like hinting and nobody's picking up on the hint. You can't order me around because I'm not an Avenger still. Oh, yeah. Make me an Avenger. Yeah. Uh, I That's- did like that he, he's just like like Hawkeye's just like, well, what are you doing up? Oh, I'm just awake and bored. Well, you want to go on an adventure? Cool. I don't know. That was neat. <laughs> Especially since they've like just been just sort of like doing nothing but, but fighting. So it's neat that he went right. anyway. Hawkeye opens the door for the lawyer and just like sneaks out of it without anybody mm-hmm. noticing. Just mm-hmm. like walks out. Jan's a millionaire now. Okay. 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 So she was making $25,000 a year. So I went to usinflationcalculator.com. Mm-hmm. 25,000 in 1967 is like 200,000 today. That's pretty great. So whenever she says a paltry 25,000 mm. a year, there's definitely a tongue in cheek. And she has inherited 3 million, which is close to 25 million. Either tongue in cheek or she was used to being rich because she was raised rich. Mm-hmm. And now she's richy rich. And so a paltry 25,000 was nothing to her. Compared right. to what she was when she was living with her living father. But the difference between three million and twenty five million is less real to me because I don't even know what a single million feels like. Mm-hmm. So okay, I'm, okay. I'm curious, have we had any numbers on like say Iron Man who's supposedly rich? Like the richest of the rich? Like is he a millionaire? I guess he's no one's a billionaire yet in the sixties, right? I don't think there are billionaires in the sixties. Yeah. Um I would guess multi millionaire, but I don't think Iron Man's given us any numbers, but presumably no. more rich than three million a year. Although Jan is now amongst his kind, he says billionaire in the Avengers film. So if we retrograde that to nineteen sixty-seven dollars, yeah, probably hundreds of millions. Yeah, um, I mean, all the millionaires are now billionaires who started out millionaires. You know, <laughs> that's not enough. You can't run the JLA as a millionaire. Be a billionaire. So Jan is twenty-three now. Mm-hmm. So uh, continuity corner with John. When we first met Janet, I pointed out she really isn't quite as young as people tend to say. Mm-hmm. The way time passes in these comics, publication time is basically the longest amount of time that happens between stories. It's often less, but it's rarely more than the actual time it takes for the comics to come out. Right. Um, so this is June 67, and her first appearance was Tales to Astonish 44 in March 63, which was just over four years ago. So 23rd birthday minus four years and change means at the youngest, she was almost 19 when we first met her. Okay. Uh, young adult, immature, maybe. Young place in her life, sure. But not a child, even no. though that's what Hank was always calling her. 
Right. And uh, and I think Hank's in his like early twenties whenever the story starts. Uh-huh. So I don't I don't really think their being together was weird. But whenever I was a younger comic fan, like younger, like ten years ago, I had this weird vague impression that Hank was almost you know pedophiling here, and well, that's just because he case. he made it out that way. That's why. Yeah, he's always calling her young and everything. I just don't think it's as young as <laughs> it was weird that he had a problem more yeah. than anything. But it was maybe because he was born 80 or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe just having been married to a woman who was older, it felt weird to go to somebody who was so much younger. Maybe there's a significant maturity difference between Maria and Jan. Even though they're identical, apparently. <laughs> Even though they look the same. We, we, we never bring that up, do we? No, no, we don't. What a throwaway story of great importance. <laughs> I wasn't sure how long it would take for us to find out that Natasha was really working for S.H.I.E.L.D. by us, I mean the Avengers, but it kind of was out in the story. It didn't take long. Didn't take that long at all, no. I thought it would be more ongoing. Like, like I figured we'd have our own Inhumans subplot here in Avengers for the next two years or something. <laughs> but it was pretty quick. Um, I'm running out of things to say. Hercules fighting the Hydra was a really great image. Very cool. Um, what do you think of Black Widow not telling Hawkeye that she's married? Does it matter though? Because I don't know, like what kind of married, obviously not a good kind of married since she's in a glass tube and he's sneering at her and she thought he was dead and she thought he was dead. So is that really married? Not anymore. Yeah. So if she thinks he's dead and he's obviously a very bad source of memories for her, maybe she would bring it up eventually, but if she hadn't brought it up yet, you know, whatever. It's kind of hard because we don't know if if we just go by the only, the stories we've read, they have zero opportunity to be close mm-hmm. because there's got to be stuff in between. There has to be stuff in between, so we don't know how close they've got or whether he's justified in being a little cranky about not knowing because she had opportunities to tell him, but we don't know yeah. if that's true or not. I don't know. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with him being butthurt about it. It would probably make me butthurt too, but. That's okay. It's it's the sort of thing that's definitely off-putting when you first find out. It's one of those things that maybe he should know before now, or he definitely is justified to feel like he should know. But it's her story. Yeah. I would want to know, well, if we're going to go into like an exclusive, long-term, permanent relationship, yeah, I would want to know about like a past marriage. <laughs> yeah, right. To a an ex-Soviet spy or whatever he is. <laughs> right, right. Remember the coded message thingy that Hawkeye didn't pay attention for how to using how to uh-huh, use? Uh-huh. Now he's using it. Well, he, he took left the a mem- coded he, message on the machine. He used the memory thingy that reminded him how to use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Um well, so yeah, next ish the Valiant also die. I don't know if anybody actually dies next issue, but this is the last appearance of two of our characters from this issue. Um or gosh. Next issue is the last appearance of Brushoff and Ling, General Brushoff and Colonel Ling. They don't come back after next issue. So maybe one of them dies. God, this is our second issue tonight. That's just like a big setup kind of. And then Daredevil also didn't resolve. Mm-hmm. Got a lot. We got a lot hanging right now. Hanging by a thread. Um, and guess what? Fantastic, Fantastic Four is not going to help us. <laughs> Fantastic Four is one big opening chapter. That's all it is. Giant, giant setup. Okay, Fantastic Four number 66, The Mystery of the Year. What lurks behind the beehive? She doesn't have a beehive. Anyway, uh, to save Alicia, the fabulous FF must solve the deadly riddle of what I already said. What lurks behind the beehive? Jeez. When I hear beehive, I think like hair. 
That's so, what like, I mean. This, this this evil '60s hair. Yeah, she doesn't have behind. So, like, be what at all. evil is there behind this thing? Yeah. Um, aided by the wait, did I skip credits or something? Oh no, they're just doing it backwards. Aided by the inking of Jovial Joe Sinnott and the lettering of adorable Artie Smek, Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby have done it again. But don't take our word for it. See for yourself. A strange way to start any action-filled mystery epic. Well, I haven't told you what the strange way is, but just wait, faithful ones. The excitement's just ahead. Um, they're in Alicia's apartment, and they're looking for her. And Reed's like, she wouldn't have left the door unlocked. And Sue's like, she probably just went shopping. And Ben's like, she's with somebody else. She doesn't love me anymore. Oh, my God. Why am I the <laughs> thing? Why haven't you cured me? And they're like, dude, that's a lot of thoughts. And then <laughs> the thing, like, slaps read away and says i hate you forever and storms off and sue's like dude that was a little over the much right and he's like no no i probably deserve that he doesn't understand that i have been trying and trying and trying off panel all the time to cure him but it never i can never come up with anything that's gonna last so uh he's probably pissed off at me because i don't tell him those things he thinks i'm not helping anyway where is alicia really she is at the grotesque gigantic beehive which is like a giant kirby looking science building kind of thing and remember she was pulled away by a mysterious hand through the wall well now they come through whatever it is that lets them transport through the walls it looks like some sort of tv screen that they can walk through and she's immediately um introduced to these they're called the citadel of science and it's made up of – I don't know if I care. I could tell you the names of these guys, but who cares? It's made up of four guys, and they're all specialists in various sciences, and they need her for something. And she's like, what? What do you need me for? Hold on a second. Can you demonstrate that you can sculpt as well as the newspapers say you can sculpt? She's like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, okay, well, here's a giant – block of concrete can you sculpt me how do you do it if you're blind she's like well i touch your nosy and then i shape your nosy and she's like but i can't do it on concrete and he's like well here here's a cool science dagger carver thing and so she immediately uses that and creates like a perfect likeness of the sky and they're like you're exactly what we're looking for yay meanwhile ben's in the park feeling sorry for himself he sees a couple that are being canoodling on the bench and all romantic. He's like, I got to get out of here. And the policeman comes up. And he's like, wow, it's the thing. You're so cool. It's neat to see you. And the thing's like, get away from me. You're so weird. Or get away from me. Nobody likes me. He's like, what are you talking about? It'd be awesome to be you. You're like famous and strong and a hero. And just as he's telling him that, all these kids come running up saying basically the same thing. It's so cool that the thing's in the park. We've always wanted to see the thing. You remember the Fantastic Four? You're the best. And then this pretty lady comes up and goes, oh, my gosh, it's really you. And he's like, get away from me. You don't want to see a gargoyle. It's like, gargoyle, you've got it all wrong. You're the bravest, sweetest, wonderful man I know. And I'm going to seal a kiss on your cheek. And she kisses him. And he's like, wow. He completely turns around. I guess I'm not as bad off as I thought. And he kind of like skips away. Meanwhile, Johnny is as bad off as he thought because Crystal's mad at him for disappearing on her last issue, I guess, because that was somehow his fault. And so he like begs for her forgiveness. And there's some shenanigans with him getting the wind, the fire blown out of him by her wind powers and stuff. Anyway... They go to join Reed and Sue, who are getting more and more worried about Alicia. We cut back to Alicia, and they're telling – they're finally telling – oh, as they're about to tell her why they want her, 
They get attacked by some unknown, unseen force. Soldiers go crazy trying to push back the attack. And that's when they finally tell her, we were doing an experiment late last night, um, and we wanted to create a new race. You know, that old chestnut. Um, but then it, like, woke up on its own, and it escaped. And it buried, it burrowed itself, or, you know, barred itself off into this section of our of our beehive. And every time we try and get near it, it all this energy comes out and blinds us, and we can't get close. So here's what we want. Since you're blind, you can get close because it can't blind you. And then just reach out and touch its face. I'm sure it's harmless. And uh, sculpt it for us so we know what it looks like. That'll really help us out. And she's like, uh, 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 okay, I guess I'll do that. Anyway, Ben comes back with flowers to visit Alicia. She's still not there, but she does find the Fantastic Three of Four there, and they're setting up a machine. Now, this machine can register heat and see what came and went, or rebuild what came and went, kind of like that cool Star-Lord device in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so they use it, and they can see like a movie kind of, of of Alicia, like from last issue, sitting on the couch, the guy, the scientist guy coming to grab her, taking her through a wall. Ben freaks out. Um, what does he do? Yeah, he basically freaks out. And they don't know how to help him because they don't really know how to trace the wall thing. Um, Meanwhile, Alicia, all dressed up in her gear, (laughs) is going to go confront whatever this creature is. One of the scientists is like, I'm coming with you, even though the other three are like, you can't do that. He's like, oh, I am because this is stupid. I'm bringing a gun and I'm coming with her. And so they go into the caves where this creature has shut itself in and they encounter this giant laser barrier. And next issue... The power of him. Dun, dun, dun. Another pronoun. So it's like, you know what was really cool when we named that one group they? Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Him be crazy. You know, Mike, that one time Mm. whenever you and I were fighting that unstoppable force, Mm -hmm. the whole time we were fighting it, I was thinking, you know, if only we could just get a good look at its face. (gasps) That would solve our problems. Yeah. Do you know what we forgot to do? We could just do it. We could talk about this issue and then do it. But didn't we finish a month? No, we finished a week. Oh, just a week? Yeah. okay. Thor was the end of the week. We'll we'll finish June next episode. Okay. Well, then we didn't forget to do anything. No, we're good. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, There's elements of this story that are completely and totally ridiculous, but it's also utterly charming because of all the Ben drama and looking for Thing and Johnny and Crystal. It's just kind of neat. The only thing that's ridiculous is... To me, anyway, is Alicia's involvement, I guess. With the whole or, beehive thing, right? Well, I mean, a bunch of scientists creating something that gets out of hand is pretty normal. Oh, I see what Ma- you're saying. So, the, I, yeah, the concept of the beehive is fine, but why they're bringing in Alicia seems weird. What what are they? What do they hope to gain from her just sculpting what he looks like for them? Like, how does that help them? They can I have guess. a picture. I guess, but can't they just use a, a camera or something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Do they really think that this being of energy is going to let her touch its face and sculpt? Kind of weird. But outside of that, I like this issue a lot. Thing goes through so many things in this issue. Like Mm -hmm. the page two where he backhands Reed. Uh At first I was kind of shocked, but then I found myself really liking this page. Yeah. Because I felt like I was reminded there's always a lot of turmoil going on inside Ben about his condition. Yes. We've and talked about that before. Like. Yeah. 
regardless of what kind of outer face he puts on it, he is not okay with these events in his life. Well, and sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. Mm -hmm. And it's perfectly okay to feel both ways. And it's a big psychological shock for him to go from being a human to being this. So Mm -hmm. sometimes he's probably fine with it and other times he falls down the tunnel again or, you know, the hole again and can't get out. And it it also seems to often revolve around Alicia, which has to do with his security or level of security in himself. Which is probably at an all-time low. Well, we've said for a while that it's been a long time since we've seen Ben and Alicia in a good spot together. Mm-hmm. Like, we assume that they're seeing each other off-page. They must be. But yeah. we, we we have not seen them actually have a, have a sweet interaction since Fantastic Four, like, 50, when the Silver Surfer fell out of Galactus. Or maybe the next Silver Surfer fight, maybe that one. But, uh, but yeah, it's not been good. But she's not at home. And they're all just wondering casually, and he spirals. And that kind of just makes sense to me. Like It's all tied mm-hmm. to his, his own self of, self-worth that is probably pretty low most of the time. So, yeah, he just goes right to uh, – I mean, it, it's a shame that he can't put any trust in her and her feelings for him. But at the same time, I totally understand that when it mm-hmm. comes to him for some reason. It makes sense to me. I do like that there are people in the Marvel Universe asking, how the heck do you do this, Alicia? How do you do this whole sculpting thing? It doesn't make any sense. And I personally think it's a mutant superpower. It does appear. Have they never said that? Not that I know of. Oh. Are there no such thing as blind sculptors? I don't know. Like, why, why can't they feel and then refeel? But the problem is, is she's not doing one-for-one one, one one sculptures either. Like, that guy's head is giant. So it's like, you can't say, I feel the nose, and then I make that nose. No. Mm-hmm. She's making a nose 10 times as big as that nose. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like I could do some looking on blind sculptors. And as I just do a quick Google search, it seems that there are some really talented blind sculptors. So we could be totally misunderstanding what her abilities should be. But I think it's more likely she can sculpt a good likeness blind than, than Matt could walk a tightrope blind. But <laughs> Good point. <laughs> The uh, the bit with Thing in the park was incredibly sweet. It's great. And we've talked about that before, too. Like, at some point, he does become famous, and he mm-hmm. is a member of the Fantastic Four. So outside of Yancey Street, like, people love the Thing. And this random you know? woman just, like, wants to steal a kiss because mm-hmm. she's enamored of him. She has a crush on the Thing, and mm-hmm. and he doesn't really know what to do with that, except that, gosh, she 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 kissed me. I love that it takes eight panels out of the 12 for him to even finally believe what everybody is telling him, mm-hmm. which is great. Like, he thinks they're all putting him on. But then once he realizes, he's like, I got some making up to do, 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 yep. do, And that also kind of goes, for one, it's the tight, it's the constraints of having a comic book and having to go through a range of emotions in 22 pages. But it also just kind of feels right to me that a person with these, with whatever issues he has would probably swing back and forth in emotion that easy. I don't know. I think we see that with the thing in general. He's kind of mercurial with his emotions. Not that I'm a psych- psychologist or anything, but it just feels feels right somehow. Does neither Johnny nor Crystal remember that Johnny was whisked away without a choice last issue? He doesn't seem like he's using that as an argument, does he? Um, yeah. And so I don't know if they just forgot or if they're writing Crystal as being like irrational and un- expecting you know unreasonable things because women's. I don't know exactly what's going on here, but it's really weird. 
said I couldn't help it. And it's like, well, that's a good start. But then he follows that with, I had to go and help Reed. It's like, no, no, you couldn't no. help it because you got teleported away. Yeah. Oh, well. You got, you got sent to the cone. But it's kind of fun to see them doing relationship stuff because we've had so many issues of them just trying to get together. So now they're yeah. together. They're now together. they're dating. And this is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reed does this whole, uh, what's that? Just, it looks like fighting, but yeah. <laughs> Reed does this whole big room-sized machine to like reconstruct an image of what happened in there. And uh-huh. I'm not impressed because Superman could do that with just his eyes. Does he? Yeah. Is that where they got that from? Wow. I've seen a, uh, in a story that comes out, it was published after this, I've seen him um, follow the heat trail of a person to find oh. out where they went. I wonder if that really worked. I Like I said, I... It reminds me of the Gardens of the Galaxy, and I really like that scene, like that tech that he had to kind of recreate this lost city. Mm-hmm. But it's like, would that really work? Is that how heat works? I don't know. But I, I, I buy into it. I'm fine. Yeah, I, I feel like whatever heat change you make in the air as you just pass through it would mm-hmm. dissipate very quick. But I'm yeah. a physicist, so I don't know. I mean, he's got her the color of her pillow. I mean, is the pillow emanating pink heat? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, page 10 towards the bottom, the scientist's like, it can't be him. It's too soon. Oh, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, it can't be him. Him. It's too soon. Him is too soon. Um, they do also use the word he to reference this guy throughout the issue. So I think with them, we could have been saying they, and it would have been okay. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. It's interesting that this is the beginning of him. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I knew he was created by scientists, but I wasn't sure, like, who. And here they are, I guess. Well, he gets his start here, but he goes through a severe overhaul whenever he gets his own ongoing series. The High Evolutionary changes him up. Oh. So uh, this is really just a starting point of a prologue for the character, not really the starting point of the character. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I don't have anything else on this issue. It, it sets up. The story, and right. I'm excited for him. Uh, and we're going to see him next issue. Next, yeah, issue. And you know, Adam Warlock is one of my favorite Marvel characters who's not a list. You know, but this is—he's not really in this. Yeah, we had four um, unresolved issues and three starters. Mm-hmm. So, and we are running short. Uh oh. So, so everybody hit pause and read one more. <laughs> basically <laughs> so i guess we're gonna throw one more on here one more shrimp on the barbie so to speak although why barbie keeps getting shrimps thrown at her i don't know she needs to get i, don't know. I so would that, not call the hulk a shrimp if i were you but it's up to you it's your life tales to astonish 95 is next on the list and um, does this mean this is me it is you and so you'll be first next week yes we're i like it when you're first up. Oh, it makes okay. you disgruntled. <laughs> yeah. That means I get okay. Sergeant Fury. But I would anyway. I don't know why I always think I wouldn't somehow. But I would. Right. It doesn't make a difference. Okay. Uh, Hulk. Go, 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 Hulk. A world he never made. We have a cover of the Hulk standing over the form of Bruce Banner as High Evolutionary uh, throws some Dr. Robotnik switches inside his bubble of doom. Um, oh, look at the look at the box, uh, the corner box. Yeah, is it different? Hulk. Uh, I don't remember Hulk dancing like that. I mean, he's leaping. <laughs> dancing tails to his Yeah, that is new. He used to just be a floating head. Right. You Hulk know what else is new? I don't know how you read your comics, but mm-hmm. I recently started subscribing to Marvel Unlimited. I'm really late to the game there. 
to read my right. homework for this show. And in that, Hulk is first in this comic. What? Which is weird because now that I'm looking at a copy of that's not digital, it's back to Submariner being first. But I thought it was weird that Hulk was first. There is so. one or maybe there are two issues right at the end of the run where they switch up the order. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they had planned to just start alternating the order with the cover, you know, but um, but the series well, ends and splits before that has a chance to take hold. I guess digitally they decided to do that earlier or something. I don't know. That's weird. It's I weird. don't like that. Marvel Unlimited. I want yeah. exact recreations of what it should be. Give Cause, me because that was going to be one of my notes. Like, oh, Hulk was first, but now I'm opening this other version. And it's like Hulk's not first. Hulk's not first. The Mariner's first. They In tricked the me. Power of the Plunderer. Yep. Yep. That Plunderer, the true Submariner, <laughs> and his beloved Lady Dormar swimming wearily homeward. When suddenly they witness a startling sight. One destined to play a fearsome, fateful part in the future of Atlantis and of the world. There's this whole other city, like not just a base, like a multi-building settlement under a dome, just right near Atlantis that Namor has not noticed until today. He's not happy. Why are the humans down here? Why are they building so close to Atlantis? Stanley Soically supervises a Roy Thomas, Raymond Murray, Bill Everett apex of amphibious accomplishment. Incredibly, invincibly inked by Vince Coletta, indelibly, illegibly lettered by Artie Simek, and now, lest we forget, Imperius Rex. All right, so yeah, they fly to the um, city. They see some dudes floating around outside the city, and Namor's like, hey, I don't like that the city's here. Go get your leaders. I want to talk to them. Guys working outside the city have harpoon guns. Like, no, you need to go or I'm going to shoot you with my electric harpoon gun. And Namor says, my very first story, I ran into a couple of divers and I just killed them because I wanted to. So um, y'all stop. <laughs> and this um, this Jetsons mobile swims over to them and inside is the prince. No, he's the prince. Inside is a person who is in charge of the city. He's like, hey, Namor. Calm yourself. Calm your little wings. I want to talk to you about what's going on here. So why don't you get inside and we'll go talk in my uh, my uh, penthouse. Like, okay, let's go. So they swim over to um, another part of the city. I don't think they actually go inside, but he talks about how, um, you know, there are lots of shortages of resources on the earth. So humankind is going to have to start you know, plunging into the cities and delving into there to get more food and minerals. And Amor's like, I, you're not saying anything that's making me happy right now. So um, you need to go or Atlantis will attack you and that will be bad for you. And guy's like, no, I don't want to leave, but I don't want to be mad at you either. Just like, you know, work with us or something. So while they're talking, Namor decides to leave. But while he's leaving, a giant ship arrives. It's one of those cigar missile, you know, rocket ship shaped things only in the water. And inside is the plunderer and his plundering crew. And like, hey, we're going to go ruin that city down there. Because um, I'm the plunderer, and I broke out of England from Kazar and Daredevil way back in the day. So, yo, here I am. And uh, he attacks the city, and there's a big old hole cracked in the dome. Everybody inside starts the slowest, we're almost drowning process of their life. Um, Namor decides, you know what? I don't want all these people down here. I was going to attack them and destroy them. 
but I'm not going to let some human attack his fellow humans. That's wrong. So he decides to fight the plunderer. He swims through a porthole into the plunderer's ship, starts punching him out. Um, but he gets zapped by some sort of um, electric weapon or whatever. And uh, Dorma is fighting other plundering people. The cigar missile ship crashes into the city. Dorma also gets sucked into the city by the suction of the water falling into the dome. Everybody inside the city is still not dead yet. They're just slowly dying. And they're like submerged in water. And it's the pressure. And it's they're not breathing. But they're not dying. Anyways, uh, Plunderer kicks Namor out of his ship. Namor goes and rescues all the people. Um, except he doesn't even have to. He just rescues Dorma. Because all the other people somehow made it to the surface from the bottom of the ocean and are rescued by a ship floating by. And Namor's like, okay, so the city's destroyed. I have mixed feelings on that. But that plunderer, he's a problem. We're going to follow him and see that he presents no further menace to aught that lives. No matter where he be, he shall not escape the wrath of the Submariner. Next issue, he who would invade the Savage Land. Well... Outside of the fun of fantasizing about the idea of Submariner ripping the plunderer's head off next issue, which won't happen, but it'd be cool if it did. Um, yeah, this is weird, right? <laughs> the plot is weird. The plot is weird. I wasn't bored, but there are some ridiculous aspects to all this. Yes, that's true. I guess I wasn't bored, but it's one of those stories where you're reading it going, okay, that doesn't make sense 58 times. Mm-hmm. How did Namor not know they were building the city? Right. That must have taken years. Right. And the um, the dudes try the stand your ground policy and doesn't go so well for them. That was really smart on their part. Yeah. It's just, it was the exact same thing. They're in the bell suits that the uh-huh. divers in, in Marvel, Marvel Comics 1 were in. I mean, 60s version of the 30s suit, but still. Um, and I was just like, Namor, Namor killed two of you on his very first day. And now y'all are trying to be cool. Between attacking New York and his confrontation with the Pims and all that, like humans should know where about Namor shows up at this point. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do a giant ocean project, maybe reach out to him first, see how he thinks of it, or go and, on the other side of the world and do it. And that's what he tries to do here. He's like, let's trade. And Namor's like, you don't have anything that we want. Mm-hmm. And to Namor's credit, if you're going to build a base in what you admit is someone else's domain. And mm-hmm. then you asked to open trade relations. That's probably not the most diplomatic choice. It's the wrong order. I wish that he hadn't cut him off. Cause I was interested. To, he's like, we have things to trade you. And neighbors like, no, you don't flies away. And I'm like, Oh, I wanted to know what he thought he had that he could trade him. Cause Jeez. I think it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what do they need from these guys? Nothing. So speaking of guy, this guy, do you know who Dr. Walter Newell is? This is the first appearance for us. No. Ever heard of Stingray? <gasps> this is Stingray two years before he becomes Stingray. Oh my goodness. I did not know that. I had no idea. Yeah. So I guess in 1969, it'll be another Submariner comic where he actually dons a suit and looks way better than he does in this issue. But And he, 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 a, he becomes an antagonist, right? No, he's a good guy. He becomes an Avenger at some point. Oh, well, okay. I mean, he might be an antagonist for Submariner initially. I'm not sure about that. But generally, I believe he's a good guy. Okay, so he's a good guy. He just eventually puts on a suit. Neat. He was also involved in armor wars. Like apparently some of his suit technology 
rubbed Tony the wrong way, so Tony took him out, one of those victims of Armor Wars, you know? I read that, but it doesn't recall. Yeah, yeah. So kind of cool. I don't know a lot about him, but I always thought he looked really cool. Yeah, I remember him. I'm looking forward to watching that develop now because we have a little arc with the Plunderer over the next several issues. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. how much Newell's going to be in those. Yeah, I don't know. Good Maybe question. he makes the transition over the course of the story. Yeah. Um, speaking of Plunderer, mm-hmm. you know, he's a Kazar baddie. Mm-hmm. And as a pirate, he should be other people's problem occasionally. Mm-hmm. So on that side, I'm kind of glad that like our next encounter with him here was not just another Kazar story. At being said, he doesn't really do much for me. He's very nondescript. I don't really care about him. Well, and if we're following his storyline, like he was legit imprisoned by Daredevil, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just like this throwaway line of, and then I escaped. And now I have this giant submarine that's indestructible. Like, where'd that come from? How'd you do that? Where's the flashback that said, tells me how that happened? I think he said he's also still hanging out at Skull Island mm-hmm. in the Savage Land. So he's still there. Yeah. Which is probably why at the end of the thing is his next issue going to the Savage Land. He's kind of just one of those guys that doesn't excite me when he shows up, I guess. But But oh, well, we seem to continue to get him. <laughs> Like, way more than I thought we would. <laughs> this is, like, what, his third storyline now? I couldn't get over how slowly the people died and then didn't die. Yeah, like, that, the that's The water crazy. rushes in. What is it, page? I'm scrolling back now. When did the water rush? Page six, the water rushes into the city. And that's not going to take long. Page 10, they're not dead yet. They're just floating at the bottom of the ocean, thinking about it. <laughs> and then I guess... You could just cut page 12, panel 2 out of your comic because they didn't actually make it to the top and then they would die at the bottom of the ocean. Like, you know, makes sense, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter that much. Well, I mean, I don't really know the, the physics involved, but you would think there's tons of pressure on this bubble. Mm-hmm. So there must be something inside or scientifically that's allowing these people to live there without just exploding or whatever. But it's then uh, once transparent it's, aluminum. Once it's cracked, though, you would think that would be gone. Mm-hmm. At which point they would just succumb to pressure more than anything. The water would flatten them. So Unless, between uh, pressure and yeah, getting hit that hard and freezing cold and air, that's pretty much a death sentence, you would think. You would think. But they're I fine. Did, they're fine. They got rescued. Mm-hmm. No worries. Except for um except for Jack. He fell off the door. Yeah. I did find the reference, uh, page 11, first panel, with this equipment at my disposal, I'll be the very scourge of the earth. I'll make my base at Skull Island into an impregnable Ah. fortress. So he's just here to pillage. Boy, that's his name, so plunderer. Yeah, too bad they didn't add any defenses to this city. Was that one of his bragging points, that we have no weapons, that we're just here peaceful? Mm Mm-hmm. And he also went out of his way to save Dormo, which was kind of cool, but... Yes. Otherwise, it's just kind of a head-scratcher issue, but that's okay. I feel like we're in a meandering mode again. Like there's no stops between these stories right mm. now. Again, they're doing that. And it always feels a little weird. I feel like this is a new story. It's just like connected to the, not the plot of the previous issue, just his, his motion. He moved from one story yeah. into the next. Yeah. He's coming home from the plot of the previous issue. Speaking of coming home, should we talk about the whole <laughs> going to space? The opposite. Yeah. Right. A world he never made. Through a startling set of circumstances, the most powerful mortal on Earth finds himself on a fantastic spaceship, 
hurtling towards the stars. Although the Incredible Hulk has no way of guessing his destination, we, who were fortunate enough to read the last ish, know that he soon will confront the mysterious, the uncanny, high evolutionary somewhere in deepest space. Wherever this ship is heading, it's leaving Earth. And that's good enough for the Hulk. A startling, spectacular, star-studded sensation by smiling Stan Lee and magnificent Marie Severin. Embellished by Herb Trimp and lettered by Sam Rosen. Are we going with Trimp or Trimpy? I I've heard both. I don't know. I really is it Trimp? You can call him that if you want to. <laughs> well, if the E's at the end, then you're supposed to do a long vowel, right? Right, right. No, I don't. If know. it's French, it's Trimp. And I think Trimp is Trimpy sounds weird to me. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, let's go Trimp. Okay. Um. Anyways, so Hulk, he's on this ship. The um. The planet High Evolutionary starts calling the ship, calling Sir Ram, calling Sir Ram. Do you receive me? Hulk's like, I hate the fact that this board is talking to me. I'm going to beat it up. And he smashes the communications board. And uh, High Evolutionary is like, no, according to my radar star tracker, that ship's headed for a cosmic storm. He can only save himself by following my instructions, but we don't have radio contact. And Hulk's like, oh, no. Everything's buzzing. What's going to happen? And the ship goes towards a cosmic storm. So how incredible Hulk's about to become the Fantastic Four. Um, High Evolutionary really wants the Hulk to make it to his planet because he only he can have the power to save the High Evolutionary from the monsters that he's created. So if he dies in the cosmic storm, that's going to kind of put a damper on his plans. We get a little recap about how he thought he made a uh, animal utopia. But turns out, no, he made them too much like people. They started fighting amongst themselves. Sir Ram wakes up. He's the pilot of this ship. He's one who captured the Hulk for the High Evolutionary. And uh, he wakes up and says, oh, no, look at the view screen. Those aren't just dark clouds. We're going to a cosmic storm. And so he, like, tries to steer the ship away from the cosmic storm. And a Hulk gets in the way of him using the controls. But he manages to do it. They get away. Um... And uh, Hulk's like, good job. You saved the ship. You were brave. You will be Hulk's friend. Except Sir Ram has been injured and he absorbed some of the rays. And now he can't stand. He can't breathe. And he falls to his death. And Hulk's like, he would have been my friend. But now he's dead. But nothing can kill me. I'm the Hulk. Except I'm not anymore because I turned into Bruce Banner. Um... So now he's on this ship and he's like, the fudge is going on. Why am I in space? Why is this goat man dead on the floor? <gasps> the Hulk must have killed the goat man. Oh no. What am I going to do? Meanwhile, back on the planet, High Evolutionary is like, okay, this is not taking too long. What am I going to do? Fighting against my new man, I'm going to lose. And so Bruce is on the ship. He's like, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Where has this brought me? And the ship lands on the planet. It looks like some sort of autopilot. The door opens and Bruce Banner sees the High Evolutionary. And High Evolutionary is like, hey, Mr. X-Hulk. And Banner's like, how did you know I was the Hulk? He says, I saw what happened. Um, Let's see. He takes the Hulk. He takes Bruce Banner to this big lab where they're going to control everything with the new man. And Banner's like, ooh, biochemistry laboratory. This is sweet. And then Hyvelishay shoots him in the back. Ha ha. Now you are stuck as Bruce Banner. You'll never change the Hulk again because I need your brain 
to um, what does he do? He captures him in a cage. What? Oh, because he's going to use human Bruce Banner with his super smart brain as a basis of evolution for the new men. So he's basically going to new man up Bruce Banner and see what happens. Next issue. What have I created? What have God. I done with my life? He sure doesn't learn, does he? Not so much. It's like, like all my mistakes. I'll just make them with this new guy. <laughs> right. It's like, stop messing with genetics and maybe you'll be better. Right. Better off. Um, this was cool. Yeah. It felt transitional, this particular chapter, but I'm yeah. digging the arc. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I've said this before in recent episodes. I kind of like not knowing what's going to happen in these stories now. The ones that I, I, I'm enjoying at least. It's like, okay. Yeah. And he's even, captured if Banner. even if it's transitional, there were some nice little beats in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really sad that guy died that, you know, he wanted to be his friend. Right. <laughs> oh, that was kind of. Hulk always has the unluckiest friend choices. Right. You will be Hulk's friend. I will be dead. Uh, oh, no. And I wonder if Banner is ever going to be disabused of the notion or if he's always going to think that Hulk killed that guy. Yeah, that was interesting. And it's also interesting that he just – you kind of forget about that aspect of their transition. It's like Banner often wakes up and has no idea where he is or what's going on. And this is kind of the ultimate no idea what's going on. Like it mm-hmm. couldn't be worse. You're in a spaceship and there's a dead uh, goat guy on the floor and nobody's piloting anything. Dead goat guys. They could be a problem. Um, I also like that Banner – there's a moment there where Banner's like – uh, he doesn't realize that I'm a scientist and I can mess with these controls, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out, but. And then instead of using his mental ability, high evolutionary just like scoffs at it and yeah. is like, okay, I'm going to use your genes. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't know who Bruce Banner is, so maybe he doesn't assume that this oh, that's true. dude uh, is intelligent, but. Maybe that's how Bruce will get out of it next issue. So I did some looking on the phrase, a world he never made, mm-hmm. because this is a phrase that really, tra- uh, like, I don't know, Howard the Duck grabs it and other people grab it. And it's just like this thing that like keeps getting used in stories to sort of like, I don't know, express the whole, I have no control over this world. Okay. And but I don't there's know. There's no origin. I, yeah. Well, no, I, I looked it up, but I feel like I'm trying to remember. I talked about this last time, but anyways, there's a poem called "The Laws uh, of God, The Laws of Man." And it's by this dude named Hausman, or maybe okay. Dudette. I don't know. And basically, the idea of the poem is, huh? You know, all these laws that you want me to follow because of God and because of other people, I don't really want to follow them. I never chose the God. I never chose the other people. I just want to do my own thing. But on the other hand, if I want to get by in the world, I have to interact with other people and they keep talking about this God fellow. So I guess I have to follow all these laws in a world I never made. Mm. So it's kind of a, one of those, the futility of life kind of things, the futility of fighting against the world around you. Cause you're just kind of stuck here, right. whether you wanted to be right. or not. Right. How sad. I, I, a stranger and afraid in a world I never made. Mm. Anyways, so poetry. Well, on that downer of an ending, <laughs> it's an ending. <laughs> it's an ending. 
Oh, I guess that puts us at the end of the episode. But that actually really reflects the Hulk in general, too, because it does. I, I, he didn't I make I himself right, and he's stuck in this human world and suffering all the problems that his monster persona. Although I kind of feel like in this particular chapter, it applies more to Bruce. Like Bruce wakes up and finds yeah. himself in this situation. True. Wait a second. I didn't want to be here. Why am I here? That's right. Also a good point. Yeah. All right. I guess it's time to wrap up this bad boy. Yeah. Homework for next week. Um, if you want to read along, which you should do, we're going to be covering Amazing Spider-Man at 52, the X-Men at 35, and then that's going to wrap up a month. Then we're going to dive into Sergeant Fury 46 and Strange Tales 100 at 61. <gasps> it's another tunic. Oh, <laughs> tunic. I should just put that in the title of the episode. <laughs> another tunic. It's another tunic. Yeah. All right. Um, where can they find us? They can find us at makearsmarvel.com. That's going to have the links to our Twitter and Facebook groups. It's going to have the RSS feed. It's going to have links directly to cool apps that you are probably using. Um, and if not, or if you want to say something else, there's also a contact form, or you can write us directly, podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Also on makearsmarvel.com, you can find a link to the PayPal um, service that we have going on. To If you want to leave a tip in the tip jar, you can do so. Um, I'm trying to find – there was one person I have not yet thanked for uh, supporting the show, John Morrissey. Mm. John Morrissey, thank you very much for your uh, contribution to the show. We really, really appreciate it. And you know, the, um, the, uh, the show doesn't cost that much to run other than time. Mm-hmm. But there are a few costs. And today I used our donation money to re-up our domain for another year. So that was really cool. So thanks, everybody, See? who's brought who threw in some change. That was neat to just have the funds to do that. Without having to worry about it. Thank you, yeah. everybody. Yeah. All right. Um, I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. My friend here, Michael, can be found on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. The show is at Make Ours Marvel. And um, yeah, you should follow us there and follow us next week. So until then, or until the Avengers fight the Justice League, Make Ours Marvel. Marvel.